Hi guys, welcome to A Side of Homicide. I am Austin. And I'm Tineo. Well, we just talked to you guys like two days ago because we're recording early now. <laughs> we did indeed, and we recorded my episode last minute, but... Eh, it's okay. In Austin fashion. In Austin so fashion. So that's okay. I'm recording mine early in Tennille fashion. Yep. <laughs> so I know it's only been a few days, but any plans this week? Um. Yeah, so I'm actually going to visit. My brother just moved to Sioux Falls from Minneapolis, so I'm just going to go and see how he's getting settled in, and I'm actually doing that tomorrow right after work. Oh, that'll be a drive. Yeah, and then we I come back Thursday night, have Friday to chill, and then Saturday we're going to the train depot. Yeah, it'll be fun. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, I've been really good. I've been drinking, like, at least three liters of water a day, and I feel like I have a new energy. I feel like I've been reborn. I want to smack you. Just, I know, just to I know. So, and I'm actually, I got my water sitting next to me. But hey, other... I chose a Powerade Zero instead of Coke. Yeah. Did you so... know those things have a lot of sodium in them? Can you suck my dick? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But other than that, I mean, work's been kind of stressful lately. Um, I've been without an assistant for two years now, and I finally got one hired. And I found out like two days ago that he quit. <laughs> I was like, all right. He really said... Hi, Pepsi. Bye, Pepsi. <laughs> Within like a day span. He trained in and then I met him once and I was, and then he quit. And I was like, am I that bad? No, it's just probably a lot of work. Yeah. Well, a lot of people like see the sales relief position and then they're like, oh, that's cool. And they pay well. But then they see that you have to do a lot of work. Yeah, like manual labor kind of thing. And then they're like, nope. That'd be me, though. I'd be like, nope. Yeah. So I can't blame them. But yeah, it's okay, though. Well, and then... On Saturday, we got pedicures. That was so nice. The place was really quiet. Like, eerily quiet. <laughs> like, it made me feel like I could hear myself breathe. Yeah. Well, and then, I swear to God, those massage chairs that they sat you in, those were powerful. They were so powerful, I thought I was going to fly off the chair. <laughs> like, I love what they did to my toes. But, like, yeah, the, the rest of the experience, meh. Yeah, well, she like she's like, turn on the massage chair. And I was like, okay. And then it was just like, I was bouncing around. I felt like I was boiling. He turned mine on for me. I didn't even turn mine on. Really? And I turned it off like two minutes later. I was like, bitch, I don't want it on. <laughs> it's too much for me to handle. Well, and then when they did the design on your toes, you had to go sit under the dryer. But they had the dryer by the front door and they forgot about you. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Yeah, so it was an interesting place. I don't think we will go there again. <laughs> nope. But we got our toes done, so I'm happy about that. Uh, and then, yeah, we just have the train depot. Kind of low-key week. I am going to go see my parents' kittens tomorrow because I haven't seen them in, like, two weeks. They're so, so precious. I miss them, so I want to go see them. So since it's September, I've got... Tennille's book recommendation. Since it's September, I've got. <laughs> Let's try that one more time. Tennille's book recommendation for the month of September. Why did you also sound like a cell phone right there? <laughs> <laughs> Tennille's. I almost said cell phone recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think they get it. The <laughs> <laughs> There's a book somewhere coming up. Okay. <laughs> 
my recommendation is Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell. And this book was recommended by Austin's mom, Wendy. So this was, oh, Leonard's got your spider toy and is like <laughs> flying it around. Everywhere. Oh, he dropped it. That's because it's too big for him to try to catch and like bring onto the it's couch. It's like half of his size. Leonard, use your couch stairs. Oh, he's not getting it. Okay. He looks like a deer in the headlights he right really now. He really does. He heard me say Leonard, and then he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a good read, but I did think it was pretty predictable, which I don't always like in a book. Yeah. But it was still pretty good, so I wanted to recommend it. Um, it's also a fast read. I mean, you could finish it in like a day. Me, probably two weeks. A month for you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's a bigger book, but it's such an easy read that, like, it's just, it's quick. I'll take your word for it. Okay. So, here is a short summary. Okay, no, that, it wasn't a bigger book. It was an average book. Because, like, a big book to me is, like, a Harry Potter or, like, a Game of Thrones. Oh. But this one was, like, average. Oh. So, it was average. That's what she said. Yeah. It was average. (laughs) Ellie Mack was the perfect daughter. She was 15, the youngest of three, beloved by her parents, friends, and teachers, and she was half of a teenage golden couple. Ellie was days away from her idyllic post-exam summer vacation and with her whole life ahead of her, and now she was gone. Now her mother, Laurel Mack, is trying to put her life back together. It's been 10 years since her daughter disappeared, seven since her marriage ended, and only months since the last clue in Ellie's case was unearthed. So when she meets an unexpectedly charming man in a cafe, no one is more surprised than Laurel at how quickly their flirtation develops into something deeper. Before she knows it, she's meeting Floyd's daughters and his youngest, Poppy, takes Laurel's breath away. Because looking at Poppy is like looking at Ellie. And now the unanswered questions she's tried so hard to put to rest begin to haunt Laurel anew. Where did Ellie go? Did she really run away from home as the police have long suspected? Or was there a more sinister reason for her disappearance? Who is Floyd, really? And why does his daughter remind Laurel so much of her own missing girl? Hmm. What do you think? Does that sound good? It sounds interesting. Let's move on to... Oh. <laughs> Q! Awesome <clears throat> Q! <laughs> to Neil's True Crime News of episode 39. That was cute. The dirty 30. Well, and Austin actually had texted me today. I had not seen it because I was in the middle of editing a brief at work. But he had texted me. The killer of Drew Shadeen has had his death sentence revoked. Honestly, I am not surprised. I figured it was ha- it was going to happen just for the fact that nobody has been put to death in North Dakota in a very long time. Um, but it still fucking sucks. Well... I mean, my honest opinion about it is why, I mean, I think a life for a life, mm-hmm. honestly. I have heard that putting somebody to death with all those meds, you know, that they use currently. Well, I shouldn't say meds with the concoction they have. Yeah. Is just as expensive as to keep somebody alive. Okay. But that is what I've heard. I have not done my own research. So I just want to say that, but that could potentially be another reason but I really don't know because I, I haven't it, looked the case up. You took this girl's entire life away. She was so young. You should not have a life. I've been on prison TikTok and I don't think it's that bad. It doesn't look that bad. <laughs> it kind of looks fun. So but, no, yeah. he should not be able to. They look like they're all just chilling. They do. And mm-hmm. if they're good, they get phones and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Like shit. It's shitty. It's really sad that that is the outcome of the case. I just have no sympathy because I think it's a step backwards. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know some people stand very firmly on one side or the other of the death penalty, but I'm always in the middle. Yeah. Like, it depends on the case, depends on the situation. If there's solid 100% proof like this case is that he killed her, kill him. Well, and this guy was such a piece of shit to start Mm -hmm. with. Like, if they were unsure if it was him, okay, fine. Yeah. Keep him on, you know, in prison for life. But we know that this man did this for sure, 100%. So he should be put to death. That was the original sentence. It should have been upheld, but sadly it was not. It's truthfully disappointing. It is disappointing. I'm disappointed in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I mean... Also disappointed in Texas, just saying. <laughs> don't get me started. I know, same. If we do have protests here, I will be attending. I hope same. you will attend too. Okay, same. Good. Absolutely. Yeah, I will be attending if we have protests for abortion rights. The girls and the gays will back up abortions yay that sounds bad that does sound bad but i get what you're coming from (laughs) kill all the babies (laughs) that's actually probably what all the republicans are saying yeah absolutely so let's head on into the rest of the current true crime news um so this one i kind of just labeled i'm a little misleading on this one i'll admit it the wife swap murders i love wife swap i used to love it too so i'm glad that you actually know what i'm talking about (laughs) of course So I have not seen an episode in years, though. Wait, I, I do have to ask. Do you ever watch Super Nanny? Yes, I fucking <laughs> okay. loved her, the British one. Yeah, yeah I loved her. She's so awesome, and okay. she was just like she had so much patience. She really did. Like I don't know how she did. <sighs> I mean, she must have been getting paid well. Yeah, that's the only thing to keep me sane. Do you ever remember that episode of Wife Swap though, where they take um, that kid? The the wife that comes in, she wouldn't allow him to have bacon, so he packed a bag and he left. <laughs> She's like, Curtis. Yes. And he's I like, do. I'm leaving. I do remember that. <laughs> and it's a meme now, too. <laughs> That'd be me. You take my wine yeah. away. Well, I mean, not that a, a kid should be having wine. At the time. Find something else. Um, Let's see. Skittles at the time. Okay. You take my fucking Skittles away, I'm leaving, too. At the time, I would say Mountain Dew. I used to be obsessed with Mountain Dew. (sighs) Yeah, way back in the day. (laughs) So, um, a little misleading because this happened years later after Wife Swap, but people know this family from the Wife Swap episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, Wife Swap. Yes. Um, So, the the episode that they were on was back in 2008. So, it was a long time ago. (laughs) That doesn't seem so long ago. That's sad. (laughs) Like, it's still like 2010. Sometimes I feel like it's like 20. 14. Yeah. I don't know why, because I'm like, oh, I'm out of high school now. I feel like time stops after you get out of high school. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Like, somebody messaged me about, like, a high school reunion, because of my 10 years coming up. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, fuck off. I I feel like I just saw you guys. Literally, yeah. No, maybe in, no, not even in 20, maybe in 30, maybe. When I'll be three years out of high school now, and I feel like I Isn't ju- that weird? Yeah, I feel like I just graduated. Yeah, and I feel like I just saw all those people. And mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see them. No offense. No, I don't blame <laughs> you. I hated everybody in my high school. I'm so well. I think I've only seen maybe two or three people from my high school since yeah, high school. I on purpose. Take out the hate. But um, yeah, I didn't really like a lot of people in my high school. There was a select few cool people. But... Same, same. So according to people back on june 15th 2017 jacob timothy stockdale murdered his brother james william stockdale who was 21 and his mother Catherine barbara stockdale who was 54 
So Jacob actually ended up calling the police and then he attempted to complete suicide, but he was brought to the hospital with a gunshot wound to the head. So he, he didn't end up completing oh suicide. My God, that always baffles me when you can get yeah. shot in the head and not. Well, you can see, I'll post a picture for current crime news, but you can see that it's some happened to his face. Cause he's healed now. Cause this happened in 2017. Yeah. He was in the hospital for a long time. He's healed, but you can still see something happen. Jacob has pled not guilty to two of the murder counts, and if he is convicted, though, he faces 15 years to life in prison for each murder charge separately. Jesus. So, which is good, because, I mean, that's your brother and your mom, yeah, piece of that's, shit. Oof. So, Jacob, James, and their father, Timothy, were actually members of a bluegrass group called the Stockdale Family Band. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the band broke up. So. I'm sorry if I ever get into a relationship and I find out that my partner is fam has a family band. I could not handle that. I I would leave. I, just, I would just get I would not say a word. I would get in my Kia Stinger and drive off into the sunset. You have to be a special someone to be in a family band. A bluegrass band. Yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I went to a concert? At, there's this church downtown that they like renovated. I can't remember what it's called now. But it's like renovated for an event center. You're asking me about religion? No, it's it's not a, a church anymore. It's an event center that used to be a church. Oh, I have no idea. So it's like, it's completely opened up and it's for events like concerts and like plays, like stuff like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And bless my parents. They got tickets for a bluegrass band and they got four tickets because they just really thought Tasha and I, my sister and I wanted to go. Yeah. Just like with the steam thrashers reunion. Yeah. And um, we went, I was the youngest by far <laughs> in that theater. Oh. Like the youngest. How was the crowd? Were they rowdy? No, they were all really old. <laughs> <laughs> and the creepy thing was though, the guy like on one of the, I don't know what they are because they're not normal instruments. They're like different. Yeah. One of them that was on a like guitar bass looking thing kept staring at me, and my dad even noticed. And it was so <laughs> creepy because he was like my dad's age, and I was like, "Buddy, I am not a fan. I am here purely for my parents." Okay, that's the end of that. I just wanted to add that they had a, bl a bluegrass band, a bull band, a bull band. <laughs> so my second one here, I'll let you swallow. Okay. Man being chased by police. Cuts off his penis and throws it out the window. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it, excuse me? Yeah, you'll like this one. So, according to Police Mag, uh, Tyler Gilbert, 39, from Cookville, even though I really wish it was Cockville, <laughs> Tennessee, severed his own penis and threw it out his car window during a police pursuit. He stated to police that voices on the radio told him to do it and it would save the world. <laughs> yep. Well, clearly. The fact that you think you're like decapitated, not decapitated. Decapitated penis. <laughs> How do you say it? You're like, when you cut off. Your severed penis. Okay. How do you think you severing your penis and throwing it out the window was going to save the world? Clearly it didn't, buddy. Because this happened you know, a while ago. Hopefully he realized that, you know, it wasn't the brightest idea. I wonder if idea. they were able to fix it. I don't know that, actually. I have that written in my notes, too. I really don't know <laughs> if they were able to or not. I'm really curious. That's bad to say, but, like, I just want to know. I think it happened, like, so soon that we don't have a report on it yet. Okay. So We'll keep you guys updated. Oh, 
So he was eventually stopped by the Alexandria Police Department, who boxed his car in on the highway just before they reached the interstate, which good because yeah. that could have you know caused some issues. Uh, he was taken into custody, but then transferred to Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Like I mentioned, I don't know if they got his PP or not. <laughs> so, okay. A student was shot by his own classmate. Yes. So according to the New York Post in North Carolina at Mount Tabor High School, one student was shot to death just after 12 p.m. And another one was arrested after a six-hour manhunt. The student that was murdered was named William Chavis Raynard Miller Jr. Mouthful. Wow. <laughs> I, at first I was like, is it two people? But no, it's just one. That reminds me of Esteban Julio Ricardo Montoya de la Rosa Ramirez. Where does that off of? Zach and Cody. Oh, I forgot about that. I was like, I know. I hate that I still remember something. the entire time, the, the entire thing. Because you'd be like, Esteban Julio Ricardo Montoya de la Rosa Ramirez. I hate that our brains remember the weirdest shit, but like the stuff we're actually supposed to remember, it's like, ah, nah. I don't know, not today. Nah. <laughs> so the school, the shooting happened at and surrounding schools went into lockdown as a precaution because they didn't know where that student who did the shooting was. See, I hated school just because I, I'm paranoid and I would always think about that like possibly happening. See, and scares back, the shit out of me. Back when I was in school, we didn't really have that as a thing. I mean, it happened, but it was rare. Like Columbine was the big one that we knew about. Well, then, do you remember Sandy Hook? That was, I think, that was after. What year was that? So it was in 2012. What December? So you were? Oh, like I was just, in college. You were? Yeah. Oh, I you graduated, graduated in the spring. In Duh. The spring. I was like, oh, you saw the yeah. like a. So that's why I don't really remember that. The only thing that I had at my school, my high school, was a bomb threat. Somebody wrote something on the boys' bathroom stall, and that was when I was, like, in fourth grade. Yeah. Nothing happened. I mean, he got in trouble for it. They figured out who it was. And then in college, there was a bomb threat, and we had to evacuate campus. Yeah, see, that freaks me out. I was in bed when our RA was like, you got to leave. And I was like, but can I just lay down? <laughs> <laughs> And just chill. I could see. You probably were so pissed. I wasn't, though, because it canceled classes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was a Friday. Okay. So I just left for the day. That's the only exception. I went and watched some kind of movie with one of my roommates at the movies because we didn't have any of her stuff with us. She literally was like, no, get out now. Oh, my. She wouldn't let us grab much. So I just changed quick and was like, okay. <laughs> the suspect's name has not been released, and I'm assuming it's because he's a minor. Yeah. They might release it if they try him as an adult, maybe, but I don't I don't know his age. So the classmate was taken into custody without incident, and I don't really have any details on a potential motive because this had just happened, like within the last week. So okay, it's yeah. very fresh. So if we do get an update on that one, I'll mention it. Um, this one's kind of freaky. Um, a 911 dispatcher is on the run after repeatedly hanging up on people with emergencies. What? Mm-hmm. According to Law and Crime, a Louisiana dispatcher, her name is Precious Stevens, um, or Stephens, I don't know how she pronounces it, but she's 25, so she knows better. Well, she doesn't sound very precious. No, <laughs> she really doesn't. <laughs> um, she is currently wanted by authorities in New Orleans after hanging up on people who called 911 for their emergencies. <laughs> so She's just like, nope, none of my business. More like, I don't got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
she has been accused of malfeasance in office and interfering with an emergency communication for allegedly disconnecting calls without gathering the requisite information or relaying the caller's needs to other dispatchers or authorities. So she is on the run and has a warrant out for her arrest. And the way that they found out what she was doing was that they were actually just investigating into the quality of random calls that were happening. And then that's when they found out what she was doing. So then they looked into her further and then she was fired immediately after that. Oh my God. Cause yeah, I'm supposed they can check on those logs. Mm -hmm. Cause they're all recorded. Yeah. Like, did you know that like, if he tried to call 911 and someone interferes with it, that's a charge. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like say you're beating me up. Okay. Yeah. And I'm trying to call 911 and you're like, fuck you to and smack it out of my hand. Yeah. Like throw the phone out the window. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a charge. Cause, um, you know, I like to do my background checks. Yeah. And I saw somebody that, like, I know was um, got in trouble for that. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't know what that was. Yeah. So I, like, researched it. And I did not know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. But, like. I only, like, think of it in more, like, domestic abuse situations or, like, kidnapping situations. Like, Yeah, and really, that's what it was. Yeah. It was a possible love interest. And I was like, nope. Oh, yeah. No. Next. <laughs> next. <laughs> so. Once Precious is found, she will face more than five years in prison as well as substantial fines if she's convicted. She's kind of a precious find at this point. I mean, technically, yes. I wonder if there's like a reward for like hunting her down. Nah, she that would be a bounty. Let's go find her. No. <laughs> <laughs> She'd hang up on us. Yeah, she would. <laughs> this one, I really didn't try hard on this title. Okay, I'm sorry. A family is targeted. <laughs> okay. I, it, I have a lot of explanation, though, because, like, look at my, like, huge paragraph right here. It's all Okay, Miss Girl, go off. Okay. Tell us the facts. The facts are, according to WBAL-TV, Margaret... Okay, I'm saying that as Murdo? Murda? Murda. Murda. Because I haven't, like, watched anything on this case. I've just read articles. Kind of like when somebody says murder, but... Like, That's what I was it. thinking when I was Marta. reading it. Was like your last name is like murder and you were murdered. <laughs> like, what are the odds? So, Margaret Murdaugh, and she is a mother, and then her son, Paul, were both shot dead outside their home in Islandton, South Carolina. Okay, so they were murdered on June 7, 2021. Both victims had suffered multiple gunshot wounds, which means, I mean, it was meant to be. That's, there's passion. Yes, there was. They were targeted specifically. It wasn't just a random attack. The father slash husband, um, his name is Alex Murdaugh. And he announced that there was going to be a $100,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and convictions of the parties responsible for his family's death. Which, I mean, if you got the money, why not? Yeah. So there is a theory floating around on why they believe that, you know, the mother and son were shot and killed. Paul was involved, the son, was involved in a fatal boat accident in 2019, and it claimed the life of a 19-year-old woman. Paul was facing charges of boating under the influence, causing great bodily injury and causing the death in connection to the accident. So Paul pled not guilty, which maybe that's why they were upset. Yeah. And court records show that the charges were dropped after he passed away from that, but... Another thing is the Murdaugh family is a very prominent and wealthy family in this area of South Carolina. 
potentially buying people off maybe. Yeah. You know, just a few theories that people had online that I saw. I think maybe the victim of the boating accident's parents got pissed Mm -hmm. and they thought, oh, you're paying everybody off. So pop, pop, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's what a lot of people are speculating online. Because they got all that precious money. (sighs) (laughs) I mean, the Murdoch family already had $100,000 to just be like, oh, here's a reward. Yeah. You know, like, so clearly they have money and he's an attorney and he's a partner in the firm. Yeah. So he has a shit ton of money. Um, Another theory was that Alex, the dad, who's the attorney, was misusing uh, firm funds for clients, which is another big no-no. Yeah. Because then, you know, that's maybe why the wife was murdered, too. Yeah. Because if if it was the parents of the girl who died somehow connected to it, why would they murder the mother? That's very true. You know? Like... Kind of like an eye for an eye just killed a son because he killed their daughter. Yeah. I could see that, but why, but why the, mom? the mom? Maybe she was just collateral damage because she was there and wasn't supposed to be. True, but I think the family was targeted for a specific reason. Yeah, just very odd. Well, so this isn't the update, actually. So this had happened first back in June, and I didn't want to cover it right away because I figured more things would be uncovered in this matter. Right. So... So now, just over the holiday weekend, Alex, the dad, was shot in the head on the side of the road. So he was actually still alive and was taken to the hospital and treated. But now, on Monday, September 6, 2021, Alex released a statement announcing that he was resigning from his law firm and entering rehab. Something was going on. Because mm-hmm. why would he make that big announcement right after he got shot? It's just very odd. He's trying to please somebody. Yeah. Also, what is he entering rehab for? Like, I didn't read into many articles to find out, but he just announced this. So maybe it's not known. But so his statement is as follows. The murders of my wife and son have caused an incredibly difficult time in my life. I have made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. Pause for um, commentary. Um, What are those decisions that he regrets? Exactly. You know? What caused like, what his, did he do? What caused almost him, his wife, and his son to die? Yeah. Like, what were those, you know, regrets? That's what that I mean. I had? think he's using the media to talk to somebody. Yeah. It's weird. Okay. Unpause. So, I'm resigning from my law firm and entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. I am immensely sorry... To everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships. Sorry, I was going to like put a little note in there, but I waited until I was done. Yeah. Why would you apologize to your colleagues in this big statement? That's what I was going to say. And for everything that yeah. you've done and people that you've hurt. Like, if that's a I little was suspicious. Saying a statement about like my immediate family dying, I wouldn't even give a fuck about my coworkers. Like, yeah. No offense, but like that would be the last thing that's on my mind. Exactly. So now I wonder if his colleagues have to deal with the aftermath of whatever he's done. Yeah, that's true. You know, like I wonder if they're Some, gonna make somebody pay. There's more to the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to get an update within the next few months. Good. Good. Yes. Last one here. Man kills close friend who raped his daughter. According to the New York Post, a father in Russia who is a 34-year-old factory worker 
So in some articles, he was not named. In some articles, he was. I'm just not going to say his name because he was kind of a victim in this matter. Yeah. He was out drinking with his friend Oleg Serverdadov. I don't really <laughs> care because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> Oleg, how do you say that? Oleg Sverdov. Okay, you kind of said it like me. At 32. That's how old he is. So while out, the father allegedly saw a cell phone video of his eight-year-old daughter being raped by Oleg. Oh. Yeah, and that was on Oleg's cell phone. So I don't know if they're at the bar and he had like was going through pictures or something and like the video popped up by accident. I don't know exactly what happened, but he saw it on his phone. And the fact that he has a video. Mm-hmm. And the police have confirmed like there are videos of oh child rape God. on that phone. So it's not like he just made it up. Like it's it's on. Yeah. It. The father confronted Oleg and then Oleg immediately ran away before the father could do anything. Oleg had previously babysat the eight-year-old because, I mean, they were family friends. Yeah. You know, they were close. He trusted Oleg and the fucking Oleg, man. What a piece of shit. Police began searching for Oleg, but the eight-year-old girl's father found him first and stabbed him to death. Ugh. Also, there were even more videos of Oleg abusing three other children. Shut on his up. Home. Yeah. You know, I'm not condoning murder, but like, uh, I understand. I get it. This guy was not. <laughs> and there was actual proof. Like, there was proof that he did it. It was video. It's not like a hearsay no. thing. No, there is, like, Mm-mm. definite proof. <sighs> not like they were just guessing he was abusing children. Like, he was abusing children. Well, there what's the proof. right thing to do in that situation? You literally find a video of your daughter being raped mm-hmm. by your friend. And your little eight-year-old. Like, oh, I just couldn't imagine. You know... The cool thing is, though, the community from where this father is in Russia is rallying around him and calling him a hero because he's, you know, keeping their children safe, too. Absolutely. Which they really are, because who knows what their legal system would do with that? I mean, I'm not familiar with Russia's legal system. What if he's only in jail for a few years, then he's out? Yeah. You know, I I don't know how they handle the sex criminals of children why did i I say that weird (laughs) i think it's like our instincts too because i mean think about a bear if you fuck with the cub Mm -hmm. the mama's gonna come at you and probably kill you you. Mm -hmm. okay now we're going on to the case have you heard of the list family murders i actually have not i like how we both did like l's l cases yeah except for mine was little lead yeah thank god that's not mine John Emil List was born on September 17th, 1925 in Bay City, Michigan. Um, He was the only child of his father, John Frederick List, and Alma Barbara Florence List. That's a mouthful. It has been stated that they were very strict religious German parents. So may have been kind of a tough upbringing. Yeah, I can see that. You know? Dealing with strict parents, you know, probably not being able to make many friends. Well, Germans don't fuck around. They really don't. Um, His mother had been known to be a very domineering and overprotective parent. In 1943, he enlisted in the United States Army and served as a laboratory tech during World War II. In 1946, he enrolled in the University of Michigan, where he had earned his butt. Earned his (laughs) butt. He's a sheep now. (laughs) Butt. He earned his (laughs) butt. He earned his bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's degree in accounting. 
and he was commissioned a second lieutenant through ROTC. He then met Helen Morris Taylor, who was a widow with one child, and her name was Brenda. John and Helen were married on December 1st, 1951. Later in life, John worked as an accountant. John and his family lived in a beautiful mansion, and him, his wife, Helen, and their three children named Patricia, John Jr., and Frederick, and John's mother named Alma were all living in the mansion together. And this was because, like, the mansion had 19 rooms. Oh, my. Yeah, like, it was huge. And it was located in Westfield, New Jersey. And the family were very religious. So they were kind of like his parents. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they attended a Lutheran church every Sunday. And John even taught Sunday school at the church. And he actually kind of took after his dad because his dad actually was a Sunday school teacher as well. Okay. So, I mean, seems like a normal family. Absolutely. Just a very well-off family. Very well-off. So, unfortunately, it was reported, though, that Helen had a bit of a drinking problem. Which, I mean, everybody has their issues. So, <laughs> uh, Helen's first child, Brenda, actually ended up leaving the household because um, she was getting married. And this was in 1960. Um, as Austin says, things were going great. Until they weren't. Yes. So, in 1971, unfortunately, John had lost his job at the bank. Oh. And it was noted that he actually kind of had a hard time holding out of jobs. He wasn't the most friendly person out there. Um, at this time, when he did lose his job, he was 46 years old. So, unfortunately, he was not able to find a different job. And he was too embarrassed to tell his family that he lost his job. Which I think was pretty common back then, because usually the man was like the breadwinner. He really took care of the family kind of thing. Yeah. So instead of telling his family the truth, he actually left every morning in like his attire to go to work, but he didn't. So he let his family believe that he was still going to his accounting job at the bank, but truly he actually spent his days at the train station reading the newspaper and just killing time. So he just killed time until his workday would have been done with and then headed home. Fair enough. So, also since he wasn't receiving any income, he actually ended up stealing money from his mother's bank accounts. Oh, my. Yes. And he had to do this to pay for the mortgage of the mansion, which probably wasn't cheap. Yeah. <laughs> also, he stated that he didn't want to go on welfare, but honestly, I don't even think he would have qualified. Probably like, not. Like, do you have a mansion? Like, sell um, it. Liquidate yeah. it. Yeah. Like, do something. So, also, it was noted that Helen was not the best wife, you know. Even with her drinking problem, she also had undiagnosed medical issues for a while. She ended up having syphilis and it was untreated. Oof. Yeah. And she got this from her first husband. And obviously the alcohol didn't help anything. Yeah. For some reason, she liked to publicly humiliate John by saying inappropriate things about their sex life. Why? I really don't know. It was just an odd little. Like, does she get off on it? I think she gets so drunk that, like, she just doesn't give a fuck what she says. Yeah. You know? Like, some of those people are just like that. If I was her husband, I'd be like, yo, my girl got syphilis. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> I'd be like, and it's untreated. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, syphilis. <laughs> yeah, just nickname her syphilis. <laughs> I totally would. She's going to be a bitch to me like that. On November 9th, 1971. John decided the only solution to all of his problems was to kill him and his entire family. Makes sense. In his brain, it really did. 
Um, he did this by using a nine millimeter steer 1912 semi-automatic handgun Damn. and a 22 caliber revolver. Both. He used both. Yes. So. Okay. He started with Helen Syphilis. Fucking Helen. She was 46 at the time. Uh, she was sitting in the kitchen, just, you know, drinking her morning coffee, minding her own business. Just syphilis, just chilling there. Just chilling. He shot her in the back of the head. So there goes Helen. By this time, the children had already left for school, but John's mother, Alma, who was 85, was still at home and was upstairs. I don't know if she heard the shots because, I mean, we can't ask her. So Yeah. Uh, So he went to the third floor to find Alma and went to her bedroom and shot her right above the left eye. Also, I would be so scared that my house was going to be haunted as fuck afterwards. Um, after that, Patricia, the eldest child of 16, came home from school. John was waiting for her and immediately killed her by shooting her through the back of the head as well. Damn! Yeah, no chance. Nothing. Just boom. Then Frederick, the youngest of the three children, who was 13, came home and John then also shot him right in the back of the head. So after this, John decided that he was hungry. He made himself a sandwich. Ah, yes. The after family annihilation snack. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) While his wife was still in the kitchen. Ah. Shot to death. So after his lunch or snack, whatever you'd like to call it. I wonder if he had anything else but the sandwich. Like, did he have like some coleslaw or like some chips? Or, like, I, I'm telling you, he beans. went on a post-family annihilation snack binge. But legit, it was just it just said a sandwich. <laughs> but like, I don't know about you. I don't just eat a sandwich. Yeah. Also, what did he have to drink? A Coke? A Pepsi? Yeah, that's Water? a good question. Beer? I'm also wondering. Yeah. Like, I need more details. But anyways, after lunch, he then closed all of his bank accounts and his mother's bank accounts. And then asked the post office to hold all of their mail because they were going on a vacation. Okay. And then he headed to the high school to attend his middle child, who was 15, John Jr.'s soccer game. After the game, he gave John Jr. a ride home, acted like everything was normal. And then when they arrived home, John shot his last living child. And actually, John Jr. was the only one that he had to shoot multiple times. Ooh, yeah. And that was because the evidence showed that there was a misfire and his son attempted to defend himself. So his son knew exactly what was going on. It sounded like he shot the others in the back of the head, like his wife hit his two other children in the back of the head because he didn't want them to see what was coming or to see who did it. Yeah, and the kid must have turned around Mm -hmm. after it misfired. Weird thing is he shot his mother right in the front of the face. So like, why? Did you want her to see you kill her? Like, just strange. What a fucker. Yeah. So, after everybody had been murdered, John decided to move the bodies. He laid out sleeping bags in the ballroom of their mansion. I don't really know why. <laughs> like, it does, why do you have to put them on sleeping bags? Yeah. You know? And then he put the bodies of his three children and his wife on top of the sleeping bags, which we'll post a picture of. Because it's just very odd. On top of the sleeping bag? Mm-hmm. And then he also covered their faces. Couldn't so, look at him. No, nope, coward. He did leave his mother's body upstairs, and he ended up writing a five-page letter to his pastor. In the letter, he stated, quote, Mother is in the attic. She was too heavy to move, end quote. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I swear. 
<laughs> that was his excuse. <laughs> Alma must have been eating good. <laughs> well, so was he, obviously. He needed uh-huh. a snack. I mean, in the attic, so she had to be, like, way up there then. Yeah, that's true. And to drag her down to the ballroom on the first level. Also, why was she just chilling up in the attic? That's where she lived. So she had her own little, like, living space up there. Okay, Harry Potter. No, Harry Potter was in the cabinet under the stairs. I know, but, like... Same vibes. Kind of like a closet. Yeah, like yeah, a closet vibe. I'm sure it was very nice attic. It was in a mansion. Yeah, but for the time. I don't know. They didn't have like Alexa up there. <laughs> or like Netflix. She wasn't just chilling. Maybe she's like reading and writing like <sighs> what they did back then. <laughs> it grosses me out. Anything but reading and writing. John honestly believed that the pastor that he was writing this five page letter to would understand why he did such a thing. He feared that his family, confronted with the world full of evil and poverty, would turn away from God. So this was their only way to arrive in heaven. Ah. Yes. He stated he also didn't want to kill himself because it would also prevent him to getting into heaven because completing suicide is the ultimate sin. Ah, okay. You know, if this is his logic, though, you know, murdering people is also a very big sin. Yeah, good point. So, like, wouldn't that send you to hell? I don't think you'll be in heaven with your family. I'm sorry to tell you that. No, thank you. They don't allow family annihilators. Yeah. Sorry. John, of course, didn't want to go to jail or be put to death for what he had done. So to throw off police, he actually cut out every single picture of himself from all of the frames. And this was throughout the mansion. So he destroyed every single picture. That's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then he cleaned up the entire crime scene as best as he could. So if people peeked in like windows and stuff, they wouldn't be able to see any blood or anything like that. Also, he canceled all of his deliveries, such as milk, mail, newspapers. And he also contacted the children's school to let them know that the List family would be going on vacation for a few weeks. And so nobody at school would wonder where anybody was. So um, he also turned on all of the lights in the house and turned on a radio channel and then put it over the loudspeaker of the mansion. Stop. That's really fucking creepy. Really fucking creepy. Like, it gives me just creepy vibes completely. <sighs> um, he actually stayed that night and slept in the mansion with his dead family. Ew. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he slept. I don't know if he went to bed or slept on the couch or slept, you know, in the ballroom with the bodies. Well, there's plenty of options. Yeah, 19 rooms. I yeah. mean, you'll find a room that no body's in. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, since John had thought of a lot of things ahead of time, nobody was looking for the family for a solid month. And also, the List family was known for keeping to themselves, so why would anybody kind of, you know, wonder what's going on? Yeah. The only reason that people started to question what was happening was because the neighbors noticed all the lights on at all times of the day and night, and that some of them started to burn out because they were on so, like, constantly. Yeah. They also did not see anybody in the windows of the house, which was unusual, because usually you would see people come and go, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Police ended up coming to the home on December 7th, 1971. So remember that music that was on the loudspeaker? Yes. It was still on. Oh. Yeah. Also, imagine the fucking smell when those police officers arrived and went into the house. Because it had been a month. Like, like, baking in there. Oh, God. Um, and they also found the note that John left behind explaining, you know, who the dead bodies were and why he supposedly did such a thing. 
Uh, the FBI ended up finding John's car parked at the Kennedy International Airport in New York City. But they didn't find out where he was going because, like, remember, this was in 1971. Yeah, you can't just, like, pop on the internet and be like, what's up? Yeah, well, and I mean, I'm sure the record keeping wasn't very good back then. So I could see them having issues trying to track him down. Yeah. Also, John had destroyed all of those photos of himself. So they did not have a photo to release to the public. Which that kind of surprised me because if he was a wealthy businessman... You'd think that he'd win some kind of award or, like, be in a newspaper for something. Yeah. You know, you'd think that he'd have his picture taken publicly somewhere. Yeah. I just thought that was very, very strange for them. So several months after the murders, their mansion burned down. Authorities had never actually found the cause of the fire. And they never actually found out who it was. Spirits. Yes, the spirit of the family. After the house is, like, burned, they ended up tearing the rest of it down because, like, you know, there's still part of the structure left. Yeah. Um, And a new house was built on the property in 1974. That's a whole no, 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 no for me. Like, what if those spirits are attached to the grounds now? Absolutely. In 1989, New Jersey prosecutors had to come up with a new plan because it had been 18 years with no new leads on this case. Really? 18 years. They hired forensic artist Frank Bender to create a physical clay bust of John List and how he might have aged. I didn't know what a bust was, so I had to look it up. It's like legit. It's a clay like head. Well, see, and when you always think about bust, you think about like, I think about breast because they would say like somebody's busty. Yeah. Or like somebody's bust size. Yeah. Yeah. They did this by looking at photographs of his parents and how he might have aged throughout the years. They ended up giving him a hawk nose, grizzled eyebrows, and a horn-rimmed glasses. John List was on the show America's Most Wanted on May 21st, 1989, and an audience of 22 million people saw. Oh, my God. Yeah, because, I mean, back then, I mean, this show was huge. Yeah. And tips started just pouring in, which is, I mean, that's the purpose of the yeah. <laughs> show. So a woman called the police and stated that she lived in Richmond, Virginia, and she believed that her neighbor, Robert Clark, looked super similar to the image that was on America's Most Wanted. Huh. And she also mentioned that he was an accountant and attended church. Stop. Yes, which is exactly what John List used to do. Robert Clark also had a wife named Dolores Clark, whom he had also met at a church social gathering. Finally, on June 1st, 1989, police arrested John List, a.k.a. Robert Clark. This was only nine days after the America's Most Wanted show aired on the list of murder cases. And it was also confirmed that Robert Clark was John List through John's fingerprints from when he was in the military. So, gotcha there. But, like, poor Dolores. Yeah. Imagine being that poor woman and finding out that your husband, who isn't actually even named Robert Clark, is actually John List and killed his entire immediate family plus his mother. (sighs) Like, you had, I I don't know what I would do. No bueno. Like, legit, I have no idea what I would do. I'd be Uh, so shocked. I'd need therapy. I need like multiple therapy sessions. I need all the meds and all the therapy. Yep, yep, yep. I hope that Loris is okay. Yeah. So. Here's actually what had happened after John List had killed his family. He had left the mansion, drove his car to the airport because he wanted to throw off authorities. Yep. Then he took a bus into the city 
And from there, he traveled by train from New Jersey to Michigan and then to Colorado. He ended up settling in Denver in 1972 and took an accounting job as Robert Peter Clark. He also went by Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The name Robert Clark was actually a name of his college classmate. Really? Yeah. And the classmate doesn't remember him at all. But I mean, obviously, John List remembered him. Yeah. He used his name as an alias. So during trial, uh, John's defense attorneys argued that John suffered from PTSD from his military service in World War II and in Korea. On April 12th, 1990, the jury did not care about his defense and found him guilty. At his sentencing hearing, he said, quote, I feel that because of my mental state at the time, I was unaccountable for what happened. I ask all affected for this for their forgiveness, understanding, and prayer, end quote. I'm sorry, but you're completely accountable. Yeah, absolutely. I don't give a fuck about your mental state. You don't just kill your entire family. Exactly. Like, that's just not not a thing. What a POS. Literally. So the judge also did not give a shit what John had to say either. The judge stated, quote, after 18 years, five months, and 22 days, it is now time for the voices of Helen, Alma, Patricia, Frederick, and John F. List to rise from the grave, end quote. Which that gave me goosebumps when I read it. Oh my god! <laughs> I was just like, "You fucking go, judge!" <laughs> and then the judge sentenced him to five life terms in New Jersey, and uh, without the possibility of parole. John, of course, attempted to appeal, but a federal appeals court rejected it. So even when John was seventy-six years old, he still believed that he would be reuni- reunited with his family in heaven after he died. He stated, quote, I feel like when we go to heaven, we won't worry about these earthly things. They'll either have forgiven me or won't realize, you know, what happened. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, buddy. There's no way in hell you are ever going to get to heaven. You are a piece, the biggest piece of shit. You killed your precious family. Yeah, and over financial means. Like, I just don't get it. Like, it's just. <sighs> <sighs> this guy. Okay, but good news. John died. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. So John died in prison on March 21st, 2008 at the age of 82 from complications of pneumonia. Serves him right. Yeah. Sucks to suck. Um, there also are a few movies based off this story, which I kind of want to watch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So a few are The Unusual Suspects. No. A few are The Usual Suspects, The Stepfather, and the 1993 film Judgment Day, The John List Story. So in the List Mansion, in the ballroom, there was a Tiffany and Co. Do you know what company? Yeah, of course. Well, some people don't. I'm a homosexual. (laughs) So it was a Tiffany and Co. original stained glass skylight in the ballroom. So it was worth $100,000 at that time. Jesus Christ. Which is around like $620,000 in 2020. So if John only knew about that original piece and had sold it, he would have paid off all of his debts and it would have helped with living costs until he found a job. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe his family would still be alive. Yeah. Wow. That end piece, I was just like, if I was John and I found that out, I would have probably just committed suicide. Yeah. You know. That's a really good case though. Right? I heard it a few years ago on another podcast and I can't remember who it was, but I added it to my list immediately because i'm like this is mind-blowing yeah but i suppose we can get on to our dog and cat fact yeah and do you have I, yours ready i am actually gonna I'm start so proud tonight. Of you. um so 
Did you know Abraham Lincoln was a huge cat guy? He looks like it. I know. Doesn't he? Like, he just kind of looks like he would be. He really does. So, Mary Todd Lincoln was once asked if her husband had any hobbies. Her response? Cats. Oh, <laughs> I love that she had nothing else. Cats. Cats was his hobby. That's it. It was just cats. Nothing just else. like me. Well, and, oh, I forgot to mention in the intro. Uh, so, I saw this TikTok that this person bought their cat like autism sensory toys and it was like one of those like water things and it has like the colored oil in it so you turn it and it like drops all over but okay so my dog fact here is the saluki is the world's oldest dog breed and they appear in ancient egyptian tombs dating back to 2100 bc it makes me happy that the egyptians ancient ancient egypt ancient egyptians <laughs> That makes me happy that the ancient Egyptians had dogs. Me too, because you'd always expect them to have cats. Yeah. So it kind of makes me happy that there's some dogs in there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if you guys want to follow us on Facebook at... A Side of Homicide Podcast. Or on Instagram at... Side of Homicide. Or uh, email us at... <laughs> general at sideofhomicide.com. And if you'd be so kind to leave us an Apple Podcast review, save us, like us... Tweet about us. We would appreciate it so much. We are small creators, and it really helps us get the word out and reach more people like you guys. What he said. <laughs> Bye. Bye.